Let's go to the Lord in prayer, if you'll pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. Thank you for the good news that it brings. And now as we reflect upon it this Christmas Eve, would you help us to hear and believe the gospel and to grow and to rejoice and to celebrate and to go and tell everyone like those shepherds did. We thank you for the good news that the angels brought. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth in whom his favor rests. And We know that's because of Jesus. We thank you for him. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we've just finished an election cycle here in Alabama, and I don't know about you, but in some ways it feels like we're forever stuck in an election cycle here in Alabama. It's like a new form of torment or something. And what is the big thing that every politician is, is promising to, to us and to everybody in their, of their constituents? Is if you vote for, for them, they will keep their promises, Right? They, they make these lofty and big and grandiose promises that if you vote for them, they will keep their promises. Have you ever noticed that none of them make promises like, look, I can't guarantee, guys, that things will going to get better, but, but I'm a nice guy, so just vote for me. <laughs> they never do anything like that. They always promise that if, you, if they win the election, it will be heaven on earth. And of course, that never happens, <laughs> because as we all know, Promises that are made are not always promises that are kept. Some of our biggest struggles in life oftentimes revolve around promises that are broken. You may be really struggling in your marriage right now because of broken promises. You're probably struggling in your parenting even tonight because you broke your promise that you would stick to your Christmas budget. And most of you are certainly struggling in promises made at work because one of your superiors promised at the beginning of the year that they were going to come through and fulfill this promise, this guarantee made to you, and here it is at year's end, and it hasn't happened yet. Children, perhaps this evening, uh, your parents have reminded you multiple times, even today, how you need to obey and not aggravate your siblings at Christmas time. Or some gifts or things like that will be taken away. <laughs> promises made are not always promises kept. And we all make promises. We all make promises all the time. And let's be honest, it's hard to keep promises. What is the biggest promise that you've ever made? Or maybe think about it another way. What was the biggest promise ever made to you personally? And was that promise kept? Because our lives oftentimes revolve around promises, or the hope that the promises that were made to us will be kept. Promises made, we are hopeful that they will be kept. And so when a politician, or a spouse, or a teacher, or a friend, or a boss makes a promise to us, we, we trust that they will keep it, but when they don't, our hopes are dashed, we're crushed, our faith is crushed. This brings us to somewhat of the message of the Old Testament. God made a huge promise to his people. 
His promise was that a redeemer, a, a rescuer was going to come, a Messiah, and he was going to rescue God's people from their slavery to sin. And he was going to rescue them from the misery that accompanied this sin. But instead of God's people attaching their hopes to the promises that their loving God made to them, they fail over and over again by putting their hope in little gods, in godless nations, in things that could never keep their promise. And this is our problem too, right? We as a people, we often put our hope in things and in people that were not meant to bear them. Many of our problems in life can be traced back to the fact that we have placed our hopes in things that were not meant to bear them. And so how do we keep from misplacing our hope? And where do we put our hope this Christmas season? And this is where the New Testament comes in. And the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, who breaks forth into a a dark world who breaks forth into a, to the hopelessness and the quietness and the heart sickness of our world. The New Testament announces that a promise made is now a promise kept. But what exactly was this promise? What was the promise that God made? Well, to answer that, unfortunately this evening we need to go through the entire Bible. I know someone told you this was probably going to be a short sermon every Christmas Eve. No, I'm kidding. But let's quickly go through this. Let's start with Genesis, where all was very good. God created this perfect world with these perfect people and this perfect relationship. It was, in fact, paradise there in the beginning in Genesis. But paradise was very quickly lost there in Genesis chapter 3, and the world fell into sin with Adam and Eve's disobedience. And rather than judgment and eternal wrath raining down on mankind, God made this amazing promise, this promise of the gospel, the first promise of the gospel found in Genesis 3.15, where he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall crush his heel. This promise that there would be one born of the seed of the woman who would crush the head of Satan thereby conquering sin and death that enter the world. But this promise would not be fulfilled in Adam's time. And so that moves us on to Noah. Instead of things getting better during the time of Noah, things in fact got worse. In fact, things were so bad that God said the inclination of every man in the world at that time, their heart was evil all of the time. And so God would judge the earth with a worldwide flood. And how? How would God keep his promise after such a decisive judgment to destroy the entire world? Well, after the flood, God did something remarkable, didn't he? He put a bow in the sky, a warrior's bow. And if you think about the arc of that rainbow, it is, in fact, a warrior's bow, like a bow and arrow. But where is that bow pointing? It was not pointing down to earth, showing that God would judge the earth again, but it was pointing up to heaven, showing us something remarkable, that the next time that God would send judgment, it would not be upon the earth, it would be upon himself. 
So then we move on to Father Abraham, a wandering Aramean, is given this promise that his descendants, that God would grow his family and his descendants into being such a large nation, such a large people, that they would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. But how would God show that he would keep this promise? He made a covenant with Abraham. Animals were slaughtered and their pieces were placed out on the ground. And what did God do? God passed between the parts of these slaughtered animals to show that he would give his own life to keep his promise. And so a big promise was made to Abraham that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham and through his seed, his descendants. But how? How would God keep this promise? Then comes King David, the man after God's own heart. Surely King David would be the one to come and to rescue God's people from the tyranny of sin and death by his mighty and just rule. But no, it would not be David himself. It would be through David's kingly line that God promised that one would sit on his throne that would rule and reign forever. But it wasn't Solomon, nor was it any of Solomon's children. Who would it be? Who would be the one? Who would be the kingly Messiah to rescue God's people? Let's move on to Isaiah. We've been looking at Isaiah in our sermon series this past month as we've celebrated Advent. And in Isaiah, we find some very defined promises, some Christmas promises. Listen to a few of these. Isaiah 7, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Then on Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And then again in chapter 11 of Isaiah, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom and an understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes sees or decide disputes by his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips, and he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This is getting really excited now as we've worked our way through the Old Testament already. That we learn how God will fulfill his promises, not through a politician, not through an idea or a concept, but through a person, a child, a child to be born, a son, born of a virgin from Bethlehem. Bethlehem. This little old obscure place. So now all there is left to do after Isaiah makes this announcement is to wait and to hope 
to be on the lookout, to be watchmen waiting for the Lord to fulfill his promises. But then after this, there is silence. Silence. As a matter of fact, there are 400 years of silence. Where was this promised son? Where is this child? Where is the Messiah? The last word to come from God would be from Malachi about one who would prepare the way of the Lord. But after that, all the prophecies stop. There's silence. Nothing. How would God keep his promises? Then the New Testament shows up. And the first book in the New Testament is Matthew. And the first thing in Matthew's gospel is a genealogy. Are you serious? Genealogies? But listen about how this genealogy starts. The next word from God, 400 years after the promise, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the Messiah, the son of Abraham. You see, genealogies are cool. It traces all the promises that God has made here in the Old Testament in one verse. Who will be the Messiah? Who will be the one to rescue God's people? How will God fulfill his promises? It is through Jesus Christ, the one born of a virgin from Bethlehem, David's greater son. This is what makes the New Testament so Wonderful, so great that all of God's promises made in the Old Testament are now, yes, in the New Testament. They are fulfilled. They are promises kept. And this all starts with Christmas, does it not? This good news that comes to us at Christmas time. The Messiah is here. The Lord has come. God keeps his promises. So think about this. Think about this. If God has kept his biggest promise, the one that he made back in the very beginning, not soon after man fell into sin, how will he not also, along with Jesus, the one who would crush the head of Satan, the one who would be a blessing to all the nations, the one who would sit on David's throne and rule and reign forever, how will he not also, along with this kingly Messiah, graciously give us all things and keep all of his promises. You see, the incarnation, God becoming man, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is God's clear demonstration that he will and he does keep his promises. All of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. This is good news. This indeed is a Merry Christmas. And so this evening I ask you, what promises are you placing your hope in? Where are you placing your hope this evening? If it's on just more stuff that you will receive tomorrow, you're going to be disappointed because something's going to break. And all of us dads will have to try to fix it. If it's on a relationship that you hope will not explode this 
holiday season, you will probably be let down. If it's on a politician or human government, if that's where you're putting your hope, then you may live in constant depression and misery on that. If, if it's in yourself, if you're just trusting in yourself, as long as you just do it all by yourself, you will most certainly fail. But if your hope is in a God whose love never fails, who always keeps his promises, who has kept his greatest promise by sending his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's where your hope is this evening, you will never be disappointed. The psalmist says, Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Merry Christmas, everyone. May God help us to put our hope in Jesus Christ and all of the promises that God has made in him. And let us put our hope that our Messiah will come again one day to make all things new. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your promises are all yes and amen in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you that even from the very beginning, you have been pointing us to Jesus. And this Christmas, our hope is realized because a Savior has come. Hope is here. Lord, help us to stop trusting in ourselves and trusting in other things and to put our trust in you and what you have done for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us to keep him in mind and on our hearts as we celebrate what he has done this Christmas season. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.